0: It's very much like the machine shop. People think with one machine, you do every part, whether it's turning or milling or drilling and tapping. No, it's the same for pasta. With one machine, you don't do everything. And that's why you ended up with the different products, you know, from, you know, all the shortcuts, like the penne and spaghetti that everybody's familiar with, to the ravioli and gnocchi, cappelletti. Those are all different machines.
1: This is SWARFCAST. I'm Noah Graff. Our guest on today's podcast is Antonio Adiletta, co-owner of Arco Baleno and GAM Precision in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. After growing up in Italy, Antonio moved to Canada and then eventually immigrated to the United States. He has manufactured, sold, and serviced fresh pasta-making machines for 26 years, And for the last decade, he has simultaneously run a CNC machine shop. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.g-r-a-f-f-p-i-n-k-e-r-t.com. I am very honored to have Antonio Adiletta, co-owner and founder of GAM Precision and Arco Baleno. Welcome to the show, Antonio.
0: Thank you, Noah. It's good to be here with you.
1: Yeah, I met Antonio several years ago at uh, a PMPA event and then recently he contacted me looking for a somewhat rare Swiss machine for the used market. And, um, and then I said, wait a second, you're the guy with the pasta machines. And it rung a bell, and I th- thought we definitely should do an interview. I'm even thinking this could be the beginning of a season about companies founded by immigrants in the U.S. And so it's a perfect fit. So just to get started, tell me briefly, what is GAM Precision and Arco Baleno? Give me the three-minute version, and then uh, then I'm going to go in-depth.
0: Uh, okay. I'm going to try to uh, pack it in in uh, a few minutes. But remember, this is um, 34 years packing in. So even if I go one minute per year, we'll talk in 34 minutes. Don't so worry. I'll guide you.
1: I'll guide we have you. We've got to
0: go, we gotta go at 10. So um, obviously, I, you know, I grew up in uh, in italy and i uh, always had a passion for a uh, mechanical design and ended up in a pasta machinery builder uh that's what i learned you know to set it up
1: before you go any further just tell me what are the two companies and then i want to i want to dig deep so What do you make with gun Precision and Arcobaleno? With Arcobaleno,
0: we're trying to be a precision, you know, a metal manufacturer uh, for uh, several industries. We have automation up to three inch bar. So we'll go from a small uh, Swiss to three inch uh, turn mill machines. Yeah, with the understanding that we should be able to to uh, satisfy uh, you know a good range of the customer you know demand.
1: Okay, so this is Gam Precision. This is that part of the company.
0: Yes, yes, and the Arcobaleno it's a, a full processing machinery uh, company, uh, and precisely pasta machines. It's a focus, it's heavily focused on the fresh pasta that is. Uh, we have a little bit of dry pasta, but the vast majority is uh, fresh pasta. And it's uh, primarily catered to restaurants, you know, small, medium, fresh pasta manufacturer.
1: So for the people that aren't experts on pasta here, this is, we're talking not what's in your box of Barilla. We're talking when you go to a restaurant and the pasta is... Fresh pasta. It's soft.
0: It's basically fresh means like a home homemade, mm-hmm. handmade, homemade, between quotation mark. That's what it means. So it's short shelf life because it's very all the ingredients are live. And, and therefore, they're not going to have, you know, weeks, months, much less months of shelf life, like the dry pasta. The dry pasta is a shelf stable. It's going to stay on the shelf and good to... Uh, good for consumer for, you know, two, three years easily. Uh, that's not what we do. How
1: long does the fresh pasta last? And you can probably freeze it, right?
0: You can freeze it. And of course, it's going to give you a few months of shelf life. But the fresh, we'll be talking about it's about a one week to two weeks max,
1: okay so you sell those machines tell me specifically what some of the the pasta machines make and how they work so there's some that would make like spaghetti some that would make tortellini give me a little specifics
0: it's very much like the machine shop people think with one machine you do every part whether it's turning or milling or drilling and tapping no you know different it's the same for pasta with one machine you don't do everything so that's why you have a machine so they do the shaping and then another one a different uh, shaping and that's why you ended up with the different products you know from you know all the shortcut like the pen spaghetti that everybody's familiar with to the ravioli and you know gnocchi cappelletti those are all different machines each one can do a variety of products but uh uh, there isn't one machine that does it all.
1: Is it generally like an extrusion um, process? There is, yeah, there are two
0: processes. There's the extrusion process and the lamination, the, the roll the process. Okay, That's really the two main processes. So with that, you can cover the whole uh, range.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool when you see those extrusion machines and it just spits out the pasta like it's like those old Play-Doh machines, you know, <laughs>
0: Yeah, out. They're fascinating. That's for sure. Yes.
1: What is your favorite kind of pasta? Or maybe narrow it down. Three favorites.
0: I get asked often, and that really, well, you have to realize that uh, the favorite shape really it depends on the sauce.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: It's a marriage. It's a marriage. So there isn't a, a shape that you say you absolutely love it most, for the reason that you're probably gonna have one or two sauces that uh, goes together best.
1: Yes. All right, pasta ragu, meat sauce. What 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 kind of pasta for that? That
0: that's that's the short rigatoni, mezze mm-hmm. hands down. Is it two, the bolognese, the the meat sauce, it's it's perfect marriage the gnocchi or or the uh, short rigatoni, mezze That's hands down
1: interesting okay and what about like uh tomato sauce pasta pomodoro oh those are spaghetti
0: it's perfect oh man small uh, small diameter thinner on the thinner because there is uh, Probably 15, 16 different diameters. So you want to go on the smaller diameter size. and Those are really enjoyable, really enjoyable. See, yeah. for
1: me personally, yeah. like spaghetti, it makes me super full because I feel like you've got a higher ratio of pasta per sauce in each bite.
0: Well, yeah. maybe not because you're a hungry guy, maybe.
1: Maybe, Maybe. I don't know. I feel like I'm totally going off course here. But I mean, I'm talking pasta. And this is I lived in Italy. So I'm I'm a bit opinionated about it. Like when you're talking about the meat sauce, you want something that's kind of going to like collect the sauce on it. Correct? Sort of scoop up the sauce.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, no, you really get into the uh, <laughs> technique. You get into the technique because you—it's true. They are obviously shapes that lend themselves best, no question, best for that purpose. You're right. However, even on the let's say the smoother one, which is difficult to, you know, place, you know, kind of uh, hang the sauce on it. There's some te- technique in the cooking that you can really achieve a really nice uh, you know coding uh, around and, uh, and make it really extra enjoyable. Yeah,
1: awesome. All right, let's let's save a f- I'll probably come back to some more pasta questions later because this is just too much fun to not discuss it. But let's take it back. You've had a great journey. To get to where you are, as you mentioned, it was, it's was it been several decades. So you're from Northern Italy. How did it start? You were an apprentice?
0: Started in Como. Como, just north of Milan. And that's where I started. Yeah, of course, uh, I started as an apprentice. I did not start as a master. Never became a master.
1: <laughs> so you were an apprentice building or setting up the pasta machines?
0: Yeah, started as uh, setting up. So the fine tuning, all the timing of the machines, not all of them require uh, this type of uh, setup, by the way. This is more of the like the tortellini, ravioli. Those are machines that uh, require more tuning uh, because there they are a lot of different things that happen at the same time.
1: Sure, so it makes the pasta and then it has to put the filling in, so it's a two-step process?
0: He has to thin it down. It has to flow into the mold and then uh, with a certain, certain thickness and a speed, uh, then there is the amount of filling has to go in there. The two sheets have to press together. He has to seal so then don't open in the cooking. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of things going on at the same time. And so that's why you have to make all those uh, action come at the proper time. The timing is important.
1: And you said it was sort of similar to running like cam screw machines, like a Brown and Sharp.
0: Yeah. Turns out later, later when we um, originally bought a GAM that uh, I came, I had no idea about the Brown and Sharp before. Uh, then actually there are machine tools that work very much on the same principle as the Tortellini machine. In fact, the same principle. That's awesome. Exactly the same principle. Just like on the, uh, brown and sharp you have a cam then advance the turret to say or the slide you know or index the turret uh so you have in the tortellini, you know that what it does it uh, basically <laughs> it uh, index the the stuffing it'll move the filling injector you know to the load position and then it goes uh, to the unload then you have all these arms then open and then closes and they move back. Then you have uh, some other, you know, pins that come through the base to wrap around. And that's all driven, but that's all cam driven. One motor, there's one motor. And uh, that's how you drive all this mechanism with cams.
1: Very interesting. Yes.
0: Same principle.
1: So, okay. So you come up as an apprentice. And then you're kind of going up in the ranks. Then what happened? You uh, you went to Canada, correct?
0: Yeah. Well, I enjoyed I enjoyed the business too. But then I realized that so I was going night school for a business, and um, I had an opportunity to open an office in Vancouver, BC, Vancouver, Canada, uh, for you know a machine builder, pasta machine builder in Canada, and that's what I did.
1: So you were importing them from Italy?
0: Yes. The machines were coming uh via boat on the ocean and then the land maybe from Montreal would have been tracked down to Vancouver, you know, basically unloaded in our warehouse and then do the same work, you know, deliver to the customer, do the setup, do the training. Training is very important.
1: So it's still technical, even though even though you were in the importing business and the distribution business, it was still like hands on. You had to go to the customer and set up the machines and it wasn't just commerce.
0: Yes. Well, commerce, it's easy. Anybody can sell things. But you have to. Uh, <laughs> but the, 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 that is the, true. The open the open secret is in the support is the after sales. That's the secret. And uh, that's the reason why I moved to Canada to be a local uh, support because it's ongoing. The machines They constantly need over the years and not on a daily basis, uh, but over the years, they always need uh, some parts very much like the, you know, uh, manufacturing. You always end up to the manufacturing. It's a lot more. You need a lot more because uh, the electronics uh, make it.
1: So you have several technicians who work for you that go out into the field?
0: Uh, yes, 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 yes. We have a Scott and then the, you know, Scott and uh, Robert uh, to key support, no question. Actually, it's a full time job for one of them every on the phone.
1: So okay, so you were in Vancouver, you had an office, and, and then what happened?
0: Now for the next uh, about seven years, so until 1988 to 295. Uh,
1: and you came with your wife and you were working with her the whole time?
0: No, 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 no. No, we actually met. <laughs> no, we actually met in uh, Vancouver. Yeah, uh, her background is marketing, actually. So it worked out well for the perspective of... uh, Is she Italian? uh, No, she's Croatian roots. She grew up in Canada, but her roots are Croatian. So for those years, I did what I was set out to do, you know, supply and uh, and, uh, support those pasta machines. Over those years, I realized that the, you know, North American culture is much uh, more faster moving it's way faster moving and i get it the you know the overhead the cost here are much higher than say in italy so the response time for parts and support it used to be significantly slower
1: interesting so the service for a customer here is slower than it would be in italy
0: no the other way around the other way around.
1: Oh, so it's fast. The service is faster here, here. Yes, yes. So okay, that's what I expected.
0: <laughs> if you are in you know, coming from, say, Italy, and uh, it can never be fast anyway. Just on a good day, will be slow. So now, even from farther away, you know, you are talking six or nine time zones. So that's that's a long way. Plus, you know, it just, it was a cultural. I think now it's much better, but way back, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, it was lower. Today, you don't reply an email, not in the same day. After an hour, you're considered uh, slow.
1: Yeah, you're considered a jerk, which is a pity. It's something that I'm trying to change to some extent, hard in the used machinery business. Okay, so you started an office in Vancouver and then eventually you came to the US?
0: Yes, because we were not able to have the proper support from the Italian company, we, we decided that if we were gonna stay in this business, we needed to uh, have a more of a local uh, you know, manufacturing and that would have been the only way to support our customer properly. And that's how we started, you know, Arcobaleno in 1995, I started to manufacture uh, the pasta machines, you know, in Canada. And, uh,
1: okay, so you stopped importing and then you started actually manufacturing the own, your own machines. Yep, started our own brand. And how many machines were you manufacturing? How many different products?
0: For obvious reasons, there wasn't uh, very many couple of reasons. Number one, the reason these machines were industrial. So they were really large machines. You're talking about, you know, in the neighborhood of, you know, two, three, four, five thousand 5,000 pounds, you know, machine. So there's a lot of metal there. There's a lot of-
1: Like how tall would it be? Well, the,
0: the height, uh, in our industry, we try to keep them as ergonomic as you can. But obviously, when you go on the larger size, you're probably going to need some sort of a platform to walk up to and feed yeah so therefore you know we didn't have a lot of the different machines because they were really time-consuming projects
1: how much one of those like huge pasta machines range
0: uh you know they go it's like a cnc at that point it's like a cnc you're talking about the neighborhood where you know the, the level of uh Production and throughput it really justifies that investment. So
1: it might be like a new one might be a hundred, two hundred thousand $200,000.
0: Yeah, correct. Yes. And then yes, a used yes. a
1: used one would be half that maybe or depends on the condition. They use it all over. It's all over
0: the place. Sure. Because ours is a very much of a niche industry. So you don't, you know, the used machinery, it's, it's all over. Who knows?
1: Sure. I mean, once in a while, we'll see, we'll get an ad for an auction that's like, you know, a restaurant is auctioning off their stuff and they might have something like that. Yep. Yep. Listeners, first, I got to tell you, I'm so grateful for you guys tuning in. I know we have lots of competition out there Freakonomics, this American life, Joe Rogan, also, I just want to let you know, if you have guest ideas or questions for me or Lloyd, we'd love for you to reach out. And if you want to talk about future advertising opportunities, we're very happy to talk to you anytime. Feel free to email me at noah at That's n-o-a-h at g-r-a-f-f-p-i-n-k-e-r-t dot com. And now, back to the episode. Okay, so then you came to the United States in 2002, and when you came to the United States, did you continue to manufacture your own machines?
0: At the beginning, yes, we did, yes. We brought our uh, three haws or two, two, and then we bought the the second meal f f four with the fourth actors.
1: It just seems like a lot to do, like so many different parts and fab parts and
0: yeah, um one thing usually happens in business is the longer you stay in business, the more customer you, you earn. So with that, your, you know, your volume goes up. So now you have to grow with that. And uh, what what I'm going with this, then we needed more machine tools, more skilled people. And and that's what it it became a challenging, not for the machine tools, but more for the skilled people, because you need the more, uh, you know, sheet metal fabricator and thick welders, you know, polishing, you know. Then you need the people, then uh, pull
1: the wires. No, it sounds like a you know a crazy undertaking to produce these complicated machines yourself.
0: But it does, uh, there are companies, there are so many companies over the years that we worked with in the packaging, you know, uh, filling, stuffing, same idea, you have to do some electrical work, same sheet metal work you still need the same talents
1: so what do you prefer as far as having a company like now it's kind of like what you did before where you bring the machines from a supplier in italy and then you service them and set them up correct Mm
0: -hmm. yeah
1: so what do you prefer as a business like doing that or doing it from the ground up building the machines
0: Uh, i gotta say i do enjoy building things but uh, it's not about uh, what you enjoy, the, you know. There is <laughs> that economy is out there. So the, we're facing, uh, you know, a market, you know, reality every day. So you do what you enjoy, yes.
1: Right, because you're small.
0: But, you know, you, yeah. at the end, you have to recognize that there are forces out there that you have to contend with. And that's a marketplace and then you have to, you know, provide a, a quality product and a quality service. It's challenging when uh, when you have, you know, limited amount of uh, talents.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it would be very overwhelming. Probably hard enough as it is. Okay, so you're here. And then in 2012, you decided to get into the precision machining business because you weren't busy enough with the pasta machines.
0: No. We, <laughs> <not> <laughs> right. ba- I, was being, I was making <laughs> a joke. Yeah, I wasn't... yeah. yeah. Well, well, we always wanted to be diversified, really. Part of the motivating factor behind is being the uh, fact that uh, you know, over the years, over the decades, you, you see that the economy goes through, you know, boom, the proverbial boom and bust. It's, it's a fact. It's a fact. You're always going to, you know, if you are long enough in business, you're going to go through a few yourself, guaranteed. I don't know when, but rest assured you'll go through one. Every 15 years average, maybe less, but you'll go through one.
1: And when you're in one, yeah, you think it's not going to last. When you're
0: in one, and you don't have nothing else to do, then you realize that maybe if you could have had some adjacent market, maybe it wouldn't have never been so bad.
1: Sure. And you felt like, okay, so you had some machines already, you had mechanical expertise.
0: We already have a machine tools. We are already cutting metals. We're already you know, doing precision work. Why not? Why not to do some? Uh, you
1: didn't, but you hadn't been doing Swiss machining yet. No, you no, just had no. like hosses and stuff like that. Yes,
0: Swiss was not my no. Swiss was
1: not. Why did you my choose name. Swiss? Because you just saw oh, this is a good market. These are good parts to make.
0: Well, because we were getting we were getting asked to do small parts and we couldn't.
1: Right, because when you bought Gam. It was like Acme's and... They
0: were doing small parts and uh, oh, that was the, really not the way to do it. The small, not the smallest, uh, but uh, pretty small parts that really belong on the Swiss. There's no question about it. The, all those parts really belong on Swiss
1: machines. Did it take you long to get the expertise yourself and getting the talent?
0: Actually, we we had an older uh, gentleman that uh, started with Barry. Actually, Barry Hart. He was the person we bought the game from.
1: And you're located where Lancaster, PA. Okay. And so there is some talent over there for machining. The, yes, much less now
0: as we as the years go by. Apparently, there will be less and less. But uh, from my understanding, before you know, I came. Uh, In in this area, there were more machine shops. And in all fairness, there were all CAM. Actually, there were you know my neighbor here was uh, a CAM Swiss uh, machine shop. So CAM Swiss, yeah, yeah. And then I got to got to know a few of them. Some are gone. Maybe one is still around in the York area. They do some. They have Brown and Sharps and uh, Escomatic, some of those, uh, you know, machines.
1: Yeah, because I felt like we have had customers. Graf Pinkert's had customers in Lancaster before. So it didn't seem, you know, crazy that you'd be there. Let's do a little comparison of the challenges of making precision parts and making pasta machines. Now, you mentioned the diversification and the customers. When you when you have a product like the pasta machines, one problem you have is that people don't ne- don't need to buy another one very quickly, right? They buy one and it lasts.
0: Sure, the, <laughs> yeah, the shelf the shelf life <laughs> definitely definitely it's not short. Huh? the The lifespan of these machines are probably average between. Seven and uh, seven and fourteen years, easy.
1: How many competitors do you have in the same field in the United States?
0: Uh, with the same, with the same uh, type of support, that there aren't, there aren't, because it's too, too technical, really. You would have to go in Italy, unless there were some people actually on the Atlantic coast of Canada, actually. But I, I don't know, then that company closed, and I believe the, the technician ended up actually being a pasta manufacturer.
1: Interesting. So that's good. But yeah, you, what you said before is that you have to keep finding new customers.
0: <laughs> I think competition, good, comp- honest competition is good. Monopoly are never good.
1: What's the hardest part of having precision machining for you? And you do a variety of sectors. What are the biggest challenges?
0: The challenge, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but uh, I have no other way to say it. It's, uh, it's a talent. It's the talents. They, they really, the talents are not there. And when they're there, it just takes uh, probably 10 years before they can really shine and you know the and i don't mean it to be negative but uh, a lot of young people they just like to do one or two things and they don't like to spur themselves and uh, really challenge themselves and uh, be the best that they can be just unfortunate very rarely i i see a very very rarely that uh you know they they come in and say i want to really learn more i want to learn more complicated machine i want to learn you know all the cutting uh, you know speeds and feeds and uh, deep drilling or you know hard material just you don't see that
1: do you have people that cross over between working with the pasta machines and working with the swiss machines
0: uh no 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 i mean They understand the parts. Sometimes we make some parts, obviously, but um, not on a daily basis.
1: Do you have any advice for somebody with a product? Um, Maybe somebody trying to get it off the ground? or? Oh, gee.
0: I'm definitely not in a position to give any advice to anyone. Thank you, Noah. (laughs) I'm not position. You're, You're modesto. Unfortunately... All the right answer they only come through time, and uh, is very, you know, very difficult. Even when you hire so-called experts, often they ended up teaching you
1: how not to do things. Sure. You've spent a long time just fine-tuning your products, right? R&D. And... Yes, and we're still doing it,
0: absolutely. It's a constant you know, um, progression. You have to innovate. You have to get better at your game. That's the only way that you can
1: survive. Yeah. And then for precision machining, you mentioned to me before that networking is something that's really helped you in the past.
0: Well, it's 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 in business, you know, any business, really. Yeah. Set aside the industry. In any successful business, you need a uh, you know, um, number of people that they are you know, really cut out to, to do uh, that kind of work. You know, networking and uh, you, what we call it, partners between quotation mark, because you could view them as. A, competitors, but I want to, you know, view some of them as actually customers or supplier. You know, you we do, we do exchange actually, work with uh, other, you know, machine shops happily, very happily.
1: What is something that you learned last week?
0: What is something that I learned the last week?
1: It doesn't have to do with the business. It could just be like something in the news or some...
0: Uh, I, I I will say that I do enjoy being challenged, and in fact, what I'm doing now, I'm going through getting a certification for a private pilot. Really? So I'm flying twice a week. Uh,
1: just go out of because you told me that eighty. You have to spend eighty hours a week, or in in a business, to make it work. You firmly believe that that it takes eighty hours.
0: You'll see that uh, the successful people, uh, they'll, work, they'll work all the time. Yes. But doesn't mean I'm successful because
1: probably I don't work 80 hours a week. Before we finish, can you go around and show me a few of the products? Sure. Try to be very descriptive of these machines because some of the people are just going to be listening and can't see it. So
0: Okay. So th- these machines, essentially, they're going to bring you from one pound of a, of a flour and just a little few ounces of water to the finished product just at the press of a button. And this is what I call a grandfather clock because you'll pass it down from generation to generation. And you enjoy you know, the fruit of it and you know, enjoy the moment and making it together, say, with the kids and family. So it's fun.
1: Right. So this is, these are consumer versions. So for the people not looking, they're sitting under a Christmas tree. They're like cool colors with cool ribbons. They're like the iPhone of pasta machines. So these can make all kinds of different extruded pasta.
0: Correct. You make up to a hundred and some uh, different shapes. So you can really have fun and enjoy Gosh, it'd be plenty. Yeah, then we have the, those are the babies. And this is the big mother here of uh, the same type of machine. It's 450 pounds an hour. So that's five pounders there. And this is uh, 450. Then it goes down to the family there. You have uh, some uh, smaller machines. Oh, let me jump on this side. And then here you will have the pasta cookers because you need the pasta cookers for a uh, you know, finished product. Then we're going to even a small flour mill, the white machine right there at the end. We got some slicer. Then we have uh, some uh, flywheel slicer right there as well. And then we have uh, other assortment, assortment of machines. Oh, and the gnocchi, the gnocchi machine right there too. And the dryer, we have uh, a small
1: lab dryer. How does the gnocchi machine work?
0: The gnocchi, essentially, you will have a. a um, I like to use a, a ready mix because it has all the right, uh, you know, components inside, and it comes together, you know, very easily in a matter of uh, sixty seconds. And then you just put it through the gnocchi machine, and they, off they come, very light, very tasty, uh, beautiful-looking, you know, gnocchi that you can enjoy. Um,
1: okay so for those people that aren't super familiar the gnocchi is like a potato it's a potato dumpling, potato dumpling
0: with the flour Yep, 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 precisely
1: yeah so what's the process for making gnocchi because i'm as you see i can sort of describe it but give me the the nitty-gritty behind what's what's really going on
0: traditionally they would be made with exactly flour like pasta and then, uh, you know, a high percentage of potatoes and the boiled, boiled potato. And then you add some eggs and uh, some flavor, like an, it could be a nutmeg or a pepper. Uh, or you can do squash.
1: So you boil potatoes, you boil potatoes, and then you blend it with flour?
0: You, you rice them, you blend them with flour and eggs, and you make a dough. Then the dough gets rolled into, uh, you know, basically half-inch uh, diameter ropes. And then you cut in a small cylinder. And then you can roll on a grooved, uh, say like a fork. And then you have those uh, ridges that go inside the, the dough that helps the, the cooking and the sauce. That's the purpose of that. The machine in the picture will do automatically for you at the rate of around 100, 150 pounds an hour, our production.
1: So, okay, let's get a little bit more specific on pasta again. Sometimes you get gnocchi at a restaurant and it's sort of more, sometimes they'll say on the menu, it's sort of like a pillow. You know, it's a little like softer on the outside and sometimes it's a little more firm. What's the right way to make it? What's the way you like it? What's the way the machine makes it?
0: And I have, some, I have some samples here. Actually, I'm gonna grab it for you. Uh, in
1: Italy, yeah, I want to put something on Instagram. In, in so. Italy,
0: in Italy, uh, the South Italy is pre, they have a, they predominantly make them out out of uh, flour, mostly flour. So it's a more of a pasta. It's really very much more like a pasta. Whereas in North, it's more potatoes.
1: Well, with these machines, do you have to put in the certain mix of special ingredients to use the machines or can you like use your own natural mix that you decide you want to use?
0: if it's machinable the machine will process no that, that's if it's got gluten it will work easily and even gluten free in all fairness a lot of people use a gluten free but gluten free is much more technical you really have to understand how the whole thing gets put together and it keeps the shape because a gluten is really what it's a glue. That's what it holds it together and makes it the shape that you enjoy in the plate. But now, if you use it just in you know, a uh, rice or in uh, you know corn or, or potato, there's no starch there. As soon as you touch it, they'll break, they don't hold the shape. Can you make rice?
1: Can you make rice noodles with the
0: They do, but it, it's, you have to activate the starch so as to go through a process of heat and temperature and then you have to process it's uh, it's more involved.
1: How often do you eat pasta?
0: I just ate it today, a few hours ago. And was it fresh? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Fresh made here. What kind was it? I think it was uh cresta di gallo. Cresta di gallo. That's it's it's a curled, it's like a rigatoni curled and it has a, a like a rooster
1: crown on it.
0: That's what it looks like, it's a, it's, it's a good good product, yeah.
1: When you make pasta, do you put a lot of salt in the water? Like I like to really salt the water.
0: Yeah, it's almost two percent to have a, the, this proper amount has to be like a, like a seawater has to, has to be like a seawater yeah which That's is what I which like. is about two percent
1: it's a lot of salt, because then it's so good you don't even need the sauce.
0: If you have a nice, yes, yes. So you need a little bit of olive oil and the parmigiano cheese. That's it, done. And a little cooking water, and you can saute and uh, you make it nice and creamy and you have a meal right there very easily.
1: And you probably cook it for about three minutes?
0: Not even, no. 60 seconds.
1: 60 yeah. seconds?
0: 60 seconds from when it comes back to boil, yes, which is about uh, another depends how much water, how much boiling water you have. But uh, yeah, it only takes uh, 60 seconds because you're going to finish it in the in the pan, you know, to really make it very enjoyable, to really, you know, spend another two, three minutes and saute in the pan with the sauce. So you have, a, you have a great, great product.
1: Thanks so much for your time, Antonio. I love this interview. Can't wait for it to come out. I, I know you're crazy busy and you definitely made my day definitely going to make pasta this week we generally only make it on the weekend because we we try to stay away from the carbs the, and it makes it more of a special occasion
0: the carbs are good for you because uh, you need you cannot leave a protein alone i'm not a food scientist i'm not a nutritionist okay but uh, at the end of the day, the body, the body needs, needs, some, you know, whether a potato or bread or flour, some sort of flour has to be in their corn, South America, they live off of corn. In Asia, it's the rice. It's the same. It's carbs.
1: And You're very Italian.
0: It's good for you. It's good for you. I eat pasta all the time, man. It's, uh, That's the
1: line that you have to give everybody so they keep using
0: the pasta. I'm I'm a, I profess and I preach and practice. Put it this way. I practice what I preach.
1: From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch extended interview videos. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is Patricio Garcia. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at machiningworld.com.